Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Transforming Trauma. I'm Eve. In my day job as a clinical social worker, it's all about problem solving and supporting people through major life transitions. I am driven by my belief in the healing power of our relationships with each other and with caring professionals. On this show, you'll hear from many colleagues and courageous trauma survivors who have chosen to share their stories of recovery. They believe, just as I do, that it's time for a new narrative about sexual violence that does not require survivors to perform victimhood. Our hope is that sharing their stories will be helpful to you, the listener. We've often changed their names and taken steps to make sure they feel protected. I'm humbled by the opportunity to host them and hope you'll hear yourself in these conversations and realize you're not as alone in the struggle. Maybe it'll inspire you to connect with someone you love about your own recovery. Transforming Trauma is presented in partnership with Rachel Grant Coaching, and more resources can be found at rachelgrantcoaching.com. Now on to the show. There's so much I want to talk about today that it's a bit overwhelming. I guess that's part of my doing less frequent podcasts, that there's more more that happens in between. Um, so I definitely want to talk a bit about how I've been experiencing the Black Lives Matter movement and the, you know, awakening of so much of, of white America to the historical racial trauma in our country. Um, I also want to talk about vulnerability and and joy and hope. Um, So let's begin. Um, So I have a big life milestone coming up. I will be getting married in a couple weeks. And I've been noticing just the fear that has come up in relation to feeling joy. Even just the thought of getting attached to, I mean, Granted, I just planned a wedding and two weddings and not even, maybe you could say, multiple iterations of the first wedding vision and then a pandemic hit. So it's a particularly difficult wedding season for many of us, Um, one that we won't forget, 2020. Um, Many of us won't forget for lots of reasons. Um, But but yeah, just what what if it's not, what if the weather is bad and we don't really have a great plan B, people can't 
very comfortably be outside for long. So it, it would definitely throw a wrench in, in the day. So just feeling joy makes me feel afraid. I want to get attached to what I can't control. Because every time I do that, it seems to lead to pain. So just a, a little insight into noticing what happens when you feel joy or when you try to let yourself to feel happy. Um, I was re-watching Brene Brown's TED Talk with some clients at work this past week, and um, one of the things that really struck me and we debriefed afterwards was about how we can't selectively mute our emotions, and I know a lot of people who have struggled with, with addiction can also identify with you know using substances to, to cope and realizing the, the impact on, on just feeling it all. Um, so I've been definitely practicing um, leaning into not trying to bypass the, the hard stuff. Um, I definitely had an experience, for instance, this past week of not wanting anyone to to talk about the pandemic or COVID because it's just, you know, I've hit a wall, as I'm sure many of us have, but realizing that that is a part of all of our loved ones and, and wedding guest experience and talking about, you know, their feelings of, of loss or sadness or, you know, sympathy. Um, I, I don't want to not allow other people to have their their emotions. So it's interesting to think about what happens when we don't allow ourselves to feel certain things and how that impacts people around us. How does that impact our ability to be compassionate towards other people's emotions? Um, I often think as a as a therapist that I can't go anywhere with clients that I haven't gone myself. And certainly that is true in terms of social justice work as well. If I haven't done my own work about you know, un- unlearning white supremacy and all the all the internalized beliefs I have about my privileged identities, not just my racial identity, then how am I going to sit with someone who's experiencing racism or, or grappling with their own whiteness? How am I going to do that if I haven't done that work myself? So it might seem like a, a leap I made there, but I, I am saying to, to think about my, our emotional landscape and how the work that we're doing on ourselves is liberating other people. So there's a relationship between our emotional world and the hard work of healing that we're doing and the people around us, the world around us. Um, So on that note, I've had a pretty ginormous paradigm shift happen in my life and I'm just sort of still processing that that it's happening because it's been so much at this point in time in my life and in the world to take in the enormity of it. But basically, I did some family work that I never thought would have been possible even a year ago. So I, I share that not because I want anyone to feel bad if that's never going to be an option for them. Their perpetrator has passed away or they don't have any contact with them to each their own. But just to say to to keep hope and keep you know, the mystery and the possibility alive that you don't really know what's going to happen in the in the future. Um, relationships can feel completely stuck and hopeless. And I'm not saying that everything's perfect and dandy all of a sudden, but it's amazing to see just having some more allies um, in, a, in a family system, in a community system, in a workplace. Finding your allies um, is, is everything. It really changes the power dynamic, really changes feeling alone and isolated and alienated as so many of us struggle with. So I wanted to share that. Um, definitely will share more probably in the months to come as I continue that, that work and processing. 
And I, I want to speak to the movement that, that's happening and share, you know, it's hard to say anything, um, n- not knowing, you know, who who's listening, what your social identities are. But I want to say no matter what your racial identity is, if you are healing from sexual trauma, if you are healing from childhood abuse, if you are healing from any kind of deep pain or grief and you're listening, um, you might really want to help others and, and feel it in your bones that that's part of your purpose, that's part of your recovery. I mean, if you read Trauma and Recovery by Judith Herman, one of the most iconic books in our in our healing work, um, she talks about how giving, giving back to others is, is a huge part of a lot of people's stages of, of healing and recovery. So it's not surprising to me that so many activists, so many folks I met in social work training um, have their own histories of trauma and oppression and um, experiences that they're healing while they're, you know, learning to be official helpers or go into a profession, um, dedicate their lives to helping others. So I guess I just want to name that my own desire to help um, brings up a lot of stuff. Um, you know, my identity is wrapped up in being a helper, um, being a good person, being a good white person. So when I am steeped in shame from my own trauma or, you know, shame about not doing enough as a white person or messing up, all that stuff. And by the way, Brene Brown has a new podcast, Unlocking Us, with an episode about shame and accountability. That's all about this. Um, really, at least the way I interpret it, brought up lots of new insights around how just self-focused shame is. And I totally relate to that in terms of what I'm saying, where... I'm not able to be compassionate towards others suffering or even be involved in the fight if I'm spending all my time reading, healing, talking, thinking about my own trauma. So that's my call to action. We we got to keep doing our work so we have more capacity. And I'm seeing that in myself, but I'm also continuing to struggle to find that balance where it's much easier for me to give my time and energy and everything away to other friends, clients, you name it, neighbors, any anything to avoid having to, to be with my own emotions. And that's not really going to work. So I wanted to validate anyone who's feeling shame about not doing enough, um, because that is always a relative experience. You can never, you know, not find, you're always going to find someone who's doing more. Um, but really to to give yourself some compassion and and as Rachel often says, you know, this is my capacity of today and I'm working towards a larger capacity or um, well of energy tomorrow. So kind of recognizing where you're at and knowing that it's not a permanent state can be a compassionate affirmation. But I also want to say that if every you know white person who's healing from something is just focused on their own healing and, and not getting involved in the the fight for black lives and that's something that's concerning to me too. I think it's it's something that probably has been the case for for many of us. Um but I would just urge you to think and research and learn and and talk about and find ways that you can step up and lean in and have these conversations um whatever that looks like for for you and to recognize that 
feeling unsafe is different from being in in danger. So yes, I can be having a difficult conversation about white supremacy and get triggered and feel um, unsafe. And that's dysregulating and that can cause lots of other issues. So, you know, I got to tend to that, but that doesn't mean I'm in danger. That doesn't mean my life is in danger. So the task, the call to action is to, to find ways that you can get involved and not just because it might be aligned with your values, but because I think it's essential for our own liberation um, to make sure that all all beings, all lives are are celebrated and respected and honored and safe. Um, in order for us us to have healing, everyone needs to to feel connected and well and educated and supported. Um, be in leadership positions, um, ju- just to really take stock of what in your life might be different if you were born into a different race. Um, I had an event recently where I, I talked specifically about, um, no, even though I never went through an accountability process formally um, in college or elsewhere, I never had the experience of someone not believing my story because of my, my white skin. Um, so thing, things like that. Um, so, yeah, find something, whether it's fundraising or having conversations, educating yourself, really challenging yourself to, to get connected um, would be something that I would, I would explore and see what that's like. And if you are already doing that, um, I'd love to hear about it. Reach out and let's, let's support one another. Definitely having other survivors in my life who are involved in activism has been a very grounding and helpful support for me during this time as I figure out what I have the energy capacity and skills and an interest for at this moment in time. Um, so I've been doing, I guess I should share, I've been doing a lot of work um, with, with people who I have access to, like folks I work with in my job or um, people in my meditation group, um, taking more of like a leadership role and asking those hard questions and um, looking for like long-term, more systematic ways of of influencing spaces to be to be safer, to be more diverse, to be more whole, and you know saying something, speaking up when something doesn't sit right. So it can be the the small things like um, calling out when you see a microaggression, calling people in, or it can be larger. Like you know when my workplace was talking about getting a Black Lives Matter sign, you know saying that's really not what I want to spend an hour at our meeting talking about. That I'd like to talk more about longer term changes that we can take as an organization. So that's just, you know, one example of, you know, ways that sometimes I think white people can get distracted by by getting fixated on these smaller things, which the small things are the bigger things too. And in, in closing, kind of relatedly to everything I'm talking about, about how our healing is bound up in each other's, I had an event about a week or two, two ago where I shared my story and what I was framing it as was kind of my coming out, like a letting go, a rebirthing ritual that I'm kind of feeling as part of getting married. And I was completely blown away. I didn't really know what to expect or exactly what my intentions were, but I widened my own healing circle in doing it. I'm inspired by the Hidden Water um, organization based in New York. Um, just this idea of ending sexual abuse through through expanding our, our circles of healing and understanding um, 
you know, helping people who didn't have that lived experience understand. And about 34 people came, um, all people who I knew, which isn't typical for audiences that I've spoke with. And the main thing I want to just say about that experience, which was a lot to take in, was just how incredible it is to see what happens when we continue to do our work and share it with other people. You know, I've worked with a lot of clients who, you know, it's a big deal to just let let them know, let let a friend know, let a loved one know that they're they're doing trauma work and, you know, working in the Beyond Surviving program or whatever it is. Um, but really, it's a it's an honor and it's a privilege to to let certain people into your healing and the impact on different people from that one, you know, hour, two hours we spent together. I just continue to hear from people about the actions that they're taking now, um, how it impacted them to to see someone model taking up space and celebrating their their healing. Um, I I could go on. It was just incredible to see how transformative it felt for other people but then in turn how it felt for me to be to be seen in that light and to feel that agency of I I created this for myself this healing space that didn't exist um and and I just I wish that for for everyone whatever that looks like for you to create and find healing spaces and to find safe people to confide in and be witnessed by to be affirmed and also to 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 remember your your why like what you're what you're looking for and is it something that's coming from a, a younger part of yourself wanting to be heard and seen are you kind of reliant or needing some kind of reaction or response from whoever you're sharing with and whatever it is you're you're doing i think that was something i'm continuing to reflect on kind of that reliance of the validation from others in order to feel the the strength that, that I possess. Um, I did feel like I kind of needed that, that, that boost. I think unconsciously, that's why I created that experience for myself somewhat consciously too. So how can I continue to work towards filling my cup up <laughs> through my own validation and, and self-worth? Um, so that's what I'll leave you with today. Thank you so much for listening. And you know, if you've reached out to me that I love hearing from listeners. So let me know what stayed with you how many questions that you have and how you're doing. Take good care. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.